eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What a crazy weekend. Manchester United, Liverpool postponed as protests carry on against the Glazer family. We have updates as Inter Milan win the Scudetto for the first time in 11 years. Plenty more to talk about as Ajax as well win the Dutch League and much, much more. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Weekend Recap begins right now. The NFL draft is over, but the analysis is just beginning. The Pick 6 NFL podcast will provide in-depth grades for what your favorite team did in the draft. The team will be breaking down picks 1 to 259 from all angles and even offering an early glimpse at the 2022 draft. Follow Pick 6 wherever you find this podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Kegolasso, our weekend recap here with Heath Pierce. Heath, how are you, sir? Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy day uh, so far, but I personally am doing uh, doing well. How are you? I'm good. And just to echo what you just said, crazy day indeed. Uh, Jimmy Conrad will join us, hopefully maybe at some point. So just listen out for him. But we have Heath with us. And as Heath mentioned, a crazy, crazy weekend and a crazy Sunday. And we have to begin, of course, in the Premier League. We're going to talk about Inter Milan. Don't worry. We're going to talk about Ajax Women's Champions League. But we have to begin with this. Manchester United against Liverpool was meant to happen on this Sunday. It was a key, key game, not just for United and Liverpool. Of course, as United looks to retain and stay in a Champions League spot, Liverpool to try and get in one. But obviously, if Liverpool were to beat Manchester United, then Man City would have won the Premier League title after their win against Crystal Palace. So everybody was ready for this game, Heath. And then something happened, which I knew would happen. A protest outside Old Trafford began to grow as the morning developed and the early afternoon developed in Manchester. And it became so big that they entered the stadium. They went inside Old Trafford. They were on the pitch. Uh, you saw camera footage of uh, fans uh, entering, obviously, areas where fans are not allowed. Uh, reportedly breaking security cameras, video cameras, broadcast cameras, getting the official Premier League balls, just disruption all over. And, you know, this began, it wasn't just 20 or 30 people. It was a lot of people and thousands were there outside the stadium as well to protest. Eventually, uh, the fans left, more security came, uh, but still there was uh, 
a bit of violence outside Old Trafford. There was, you know, the the fans kept going at Old Trafford, of course. And this, by the way, was obviously a protest to the Glazer family and their ownership of the club following, of course, the last... uh, uh, the last real thing, really, that just, you know, kind of snapped, uh, you know, as opposed to the Super League, etc. But it became bigger and bigger. The, the team buses didn't leave the, the hotels. So people thought, well, maybe there'll be a suspension and they'll, you know, maybe a, an extended period of time before kickoff. But no, officially postponed. Uh, the, the, the announcement was made. So now as we tape, we have to wait to when this game will be played. But that's how basically this game developed. That's how everything developed. There's still, you know, things going on outside of the stadium. And obviously, this is the biggest piece of news, not just because of the game being canceled, but just once again, Heath, uh, a voice, uh, a collective voice of Manchester United fans saying, we're done with the Glazers. We're done. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a few things that are going on. Obviously, a lot of things going on today with regard to uh, Manchester United. And I want to start by first by saying this is like most situations where you have a few bad apples that I mean, there were more that broke the rules, right? There's a very sort of herd mentality of like, oh, we got in through the gate. Let's go um, and onto the field. And even at that point, there was, you know, they're talking about this being criminal offenses and stuff like that in a nonviolent way. You go, OK, big mistake. Shouldn't do that. Get out of the stadium. Peacefully protest. But then you start to get these next layer, uh, uh, the next layer of things where you saw the guy grabbing the tripod, chuck it over. You see a guy, you know, they threw a, a flare at at the, the broadcast stand. And and you, you start to see all these things where you're like, uh, you know, and, and I put it into the context of when I was living in Copenhagen, there was these these uh, protests and riot over a youth house. And so the first started as these protests. They marched the streets. They did all these things. And then it turned into riots that lasted for weeks. and the large majority of the people involved were not season ticket holders. They weren't people that cared. Uh, I, I'm talking about today, but back then they weren't anybody that had anything to do with what this protest was. It's just people with a cheap excuse to get involved and be reckless, right? And so you have some people that have mobilized and you have some people that broke the rules and went into the stadium that didn't do anything that were peaceful. Then you have people that are taking advantage of the moment to be like, wow, I'm pitch side. This is amazing. I'm going to capture this. And, and then you have, uh, and so what I guess what I'm getting at is everything up till now from fan power, it's hard to know where you draw the line, right? Where you realize this power and then they take advantage of this power and then it cr- goes too far. And I think the fans should mobilize anytime that they feel that they are not being listened to by a club. If they don't like the Glazers, do that every day. But then it crosses that line and then you start to bring in the people that are looking for trouble. And that's where I start to have the issue is that in all these fans that wanted to get together in Manchester, You start to have these people that are climbing up, doing all these things, and those people are going to be banned for life. And that makes me think those people never cared in the first place, right? Like walking in the stands and doing things like that. Like, what do you, what point are you trying to make? It's not like they came in, mobilized together, said, hey, we're going to go for 15 minutes. We're going to get into the stadium. We're going to do this thing. And yeah, we're going to break some rules, but it's going to, we're going to make the point. And then we're going to march out together, solidarity from start to finish. That's how we're going to do this. It was complete chaos. And that's where I have the issue with all this because I'm trying to look now through a fine tooth comb of what was the purpose or value of this for the fan. If you are a fan that spent your whole life or since the Glazers came on trying to get them out, you now know that you have a mountain to climb uh, for re- to get that respect again, right? You have this, now you've done all this progress and you've taken two steps backwards because you allowed 
disorganization to take over the messaging and turn this into uh, something that that has no place in any sort of protest. Yeah, uh, and just to echo what you just said, Manchester United's own statement, by the way, our fans are passionate about Manchester United and we completely acknowledge the right to free expression and peaceful protest. However, we regret the disruption to the team and actions which put other fans, staff and the police in danger. We thank the police for their support and will assist them in any subsequent investigations. Liverpool came out with a statement supporting the postponement, of course, because safety comes first. The Premier League as well. This is a collective decision from the police, both clubs, the Premier League, and local authority. So obviously, safety comes first. Um, my and by the way, uh, uh, tomorrow we're aiming on Monday. As you as you listen to this, we're aiming to also have James Bench, and we're gonna get it more into the contextual reasons why Manchester United fans are dissatisfied, upset with the Glazer family ownership. I'm not going to get into it too much right here, but you should know the nutshell that obviously Manchester United are in debt. Uh, Manchester United haven't won a Premier League title in eight years. They haven't made it to the Champions League semifinals in 10. They are obviously a shadow of what they used to be. Uh, so a lot of fans, like you said, are really voicing their opinion. And the Super League really was just, you know, the last thing, that the tip of the like that was enough. That was one more reason for them to be dissatisfied with an owner that quite rightly, like Gary Neville said, has really paid no attention to this club. They really don't, you know, that's why they basically laid, gave the keys to Ed Woodward, et cetera. That's on the other side is what you just said, Heath, which is there's a difference between the right to free speech and the right to protest. And clearly an area where fans were dissatisfied, but also an area where people just wanted to cause a riot. So you have two pieces. Of, and unfortunately, that side of things got in the way of the biggest part, right? We welcome Jimmy Conrad to the show. And we're obviously beginning with Manchester United and Liverpool. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, my friend? Sorry, guys. I just got back from Old Trafford. It was it was crazy. Um, I'm wearing my goalkeeper Manchester United kit because I'm here to save United uh, JC saves. Okay? Oh, wow. J oh, I'm sure that's what they want from one American to another American owner. That's exactly what no, they need. But I get it. I get it, Luis. I know what it takes to run a Premier League club. Well, I can't wait to see what this uh, mission statement is going to read like. But Jimmy, uh, obviously, we begin with Manchester United. Liverpool, Heath shared his thoughts. Uh, I've just given a little bit of lay of the land, of course. What are your initial reactions to this? So it feels, having been around the world, having the, having the, 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 the amazing opportunity to travel uh, throughout my life, it feels very South American in some ways. <laughs> because when I go down to South America, when they're pissed about something, they take to the streets, man, and they protest. And it's never though with, with there's never any reason to incite violence. They're not looking to be violent. They're just, they're just looking to have their voices be heard. And so this maybe crossed that line. It felt a little bit US capital-esque in some ways where people are taking advantage of the opportunity, but there definitely was a bubbling up, I think from the fans. And they're taking advantage of the Super League talk, which really got all the fans together as one combined to say the Super League is a joke. And now this was their time. And this was a big game to get their voices heard. Do I think it's going to change anything? I don't think it's going to change anything. I think the Glazers will come out and they'll do their obligatory stuff and they'll make sure they're trying to create better communication with the fans to try to placate everybody. But they're not going to change anything. It's not going to change. But, but I appreciate that the United fans are trying to be heard. And maybe it'll change something substantial in terms of communication, and maybe that'll be enough. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm sad I missed out on what your guys' thoughts were. 
No, I mean, it's pretty similar. You, you're bringing the good point about the South American perspective. As a South American, somebody that was born and raised, uh, somebody that grew up during a very tumultuous time in Peru, and obviously seeing the only difference is that there's a little bit more uh, sort of ownership from a club, from a fan perspective on the respective clubs, right? I'm thinking specifically about Peru and others. Obviously, it's not as big as Germany and stuff. Here, it's a clear discontent with a billionaire owner who really has given zero bleeps to the club and given it to Ed Woodward. However, I do emphasize Heath's point again, and Heath, I'll bring it to you, which is like, it got lost a little bit because clearly there were just people out there mm-hmm. that just wanted to cause some havoc. You know what I mean? Uh, what do you think of what Jimmy just said? Yeah, I, uh, you know, to, to sort of restate that that point on what Jimmy said, I, I fully agree. And but when you mobilize, you you truly have to be united, right? I think they they no pun intended. Use, no yeah. pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> they use this Super League thing to bring people together, right? And that's when you need leadership within your fan base. That's when you need leadership in the same way that you have capos in the same way that you have like, uh, you know, a board of these supporter groups that come together and say, Hey, this is not, I, I, I did a, uh, I did a documentary down in Colombia with, uh, with Los del Sur with Atletico Nacional before the Recopa final and the head of their group got together the night before and said, there's going to be no violence tomorrow. We're going to go crazy, right? It was against Chapecoense, and obviously there was a lot of emotional things to it. But we, we, we sat in on it, and there was hundreds of fans that came to this thing the night before the match, and they said, there's going to be no violence. We're going to listen. We're going to follow security. We're going to go crazy. We're going to party. It's going to be insane, but there's going to be none of that. And again, that's around the final, but it, was still over, it, it, it still opened my eyes to the fact that there was a leadership and a single point of saying, you are part of this. You represent this. You represent the crest. You re- represent the supporters. You represent me as a father, as a person of this community and our reputations. And that, as soon as they went into this thing, everyone just went off. You know, people went to social media. People went to, started climbing in things. Somebody got into a locker room and everybody had their own agenda, which again, loses the whole power of being united as a, as a fan base in general. So all the progress made, it, it just it just seems to be lost in translation where now it was like, oh, it was about violence or a few bad apples or all these types of things instead of it being like, no, no, we are united in this protest of the Glazers, of the way Man United's being run, and we will do what it takes to see change um, within reason. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would just say that when I, I'm now thinking about the compare and contrast to Arsenal fans. And to Heath's point, if Arsenal fans, when they had their protests outside the Emirates, had gone into the field and started to, you know, take pictures of them doing or videos of them doing bicycle kicks or whatever they're trying on, on, the, on the pitch, it, it, you do lose the message because then it becomes about that, which becomes a little bit more comical and, and it loses its value. I felt the Arsenal one was very serious. You, you could feel that it really mattered to them and they want change. But when you start to get into this area where it gets more about opportunism and, and, oh, I get to run on the same field as that, which I honestly, if I was a 16, 17 year old kid and I kind of got caught up in the fervor of it and I had a chance to go run on the pitch and dribble around or act like a goof or whatever, I might've done it at 17. And I think, you know, cause that would have been probably pretty cool at that time. But I think to, to his point, it does lose some of the messaging. I did do some, some research cause I was kind of curious about the Glazers stuff. And I remember their buyout being really interesting at the time, but I didn't know that Manchester United carried no debt from 1931 to 2005. I found that to be fascinating. And then in 2005, when the Glazer family took over and they did it doing a a leveraged buyout, they added 700 million in debt 
And just for fun, they paid themselves 30 million in dividends last year, which probably doesn't go over well with the fans either. And so, so I then went, went to make sure I understood what leverage buyout is. And it's basically they were leveraging their assets that they already currently owned, which includes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the assets of the company they were going to acquire, Manchester United, to get the money and loans that they needed to actually successfully buy the team. And I think that just really sent the ret- sent the wrong message with regard to how they were going to run it. And we can tell, and I think where the, the and even with the, the addition of Ed Woodward, it just became a corporation. It was a business. It lost that feel of being a part of something bigger, like a community, right? And now it just became about Jersey sales and all that stuff. There is some people, I don't know if you've seen any, but I've seen one or two people counter on social media that they have made a lot of signings. And I was like, okay, well, let's run through some names under their, their Vandersar, Vidic, Evra, Carrick, Tevez, Berbatov, De Gea, Van Persie. I mean, it's not like they're not spending money. And then more recently, Martial, Mata, Matic, Fred. I don't know if you count Fred. Fernandez, Wambasaka, Di Maria, Lukaku, Maguire, Pogba. And this person said the club has failed the Glazers, not the other way around. Hmm. Those are those are a lot of big names because those are those. That's a lot of money dumped into those players. So it's it's it's. I found that interesting. Listen, I I I do think that the team has lost touch with its fans. And so this is where I think it's bubbling up. And this has been a pretty good moment to stand up and do something about it. And now I'm curious to see what, what do you guys think? What do you think the Glazers are going to do? Okay. Can I, can I ask you guys this real quick? What I'm having trouble under, not having trouble understanding is what, what I'm trying to separate is fans expecting results. Mm -hmm. Is it trophies or is it something else? I get that. That's probably all intertwined into something, right? But every end of an era, you lost Sir Alec Ferguson. There was always there was nothing that the Glazers could do to like bring somebody in that was going to fix that. Have they had their wrong? Got a lot of signings wrong. Absolutely. Have a lot of big clubs gotten signing wrong signings wrongs. Absolutely. So for me, it's trying to understand: is this results oriented? Is this the fact that it's run like a corporation? I certainly think that's a large part of it. What I mean, would love it's three. It's three. To me, it's three things. It's three things. Number one, I believe that Manchester United under the Glazers has become a bandaid over a gunshot wound problem where you, you've been talking about these signings, Jimmy. And I feel that every time that something has not gone their way, whether it's a season or a series of bad games, they've wanted to put a bandaid over a gunshot, which is there's a deeper problem, which is the reason why Sir Alex Ferguson was so successful, aside from him being one of the greatest managers in the history of the game. And obviously, you know, uh, the great players that went in there was because Sir Alex Ferguson and obviously the ownership at the time and the players themselves understood the identity and what it means to be a Manchester United player, fan, team, academy, and everything behind it. So that's one. Number two, the Glazers are not transparent. There's no communication. There's no understanding. There's no message. Everything was sort of funneled into an Ed Woodward saying, this is what we need to do. Oh, quickly, we need a Pogba. Oh, we need Joseph Mourinho. Oh, maybe David, you know what I mean? So that's the issue. So I feel that, yes, they have been victims of the fact of what you just said, Heath, that you had to follow on after who is one of the most legendary managers ever to build up from that, just like Arsenal, it's going to be difficult, now, Arsenal and Wenger. The problem is that not only have not they been able to do that, but they have completely fail to learn what Manchester United is all about and what Manchester is all about. And that is the biggest problem. And they've never, ever, ever, ever bothered to try and get it, ever. And like you said, Jimmy, it's really become a sort of Manchester United, the brand, as opposed to Manchester United, the club. 
And that's really where, and I think that, yes, today was an absolute mess of a message because of everything that happened, but the message stands. And I think that, you know, that's why yellow and green, which was the colors of the club before it became Manchester United, you know, it's kind of their sense of rebellion. And we will continue this conversation, of course, and I think the message will stand, but that's the biggest thing. The Glazers have never understood what Manchester United is, is all about. Other American owners at least try and create an understanding of that city. But as far as I'm concerned, and for all the United fans that I talk to, the Glazers have never understood United, ever. Can I go ahead, Heath? Go ahead, go ahead. One thing obviously, now is the perfect time to tell people that uh, I was named Heath after Newton Heath, the original Manchester United guy. So, just you know, <laughs> where, 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 where my loyalty stands, you know, that's where I'm, that's what I'm going with. You know, I'm, I'm part of the OG. But what I wanted to say real quick, and sorry to interrupt you, Jimmy, was that today, uh, uh during, during while they, the, the, this all unfolded, uh, Tim Howard had a, uh, they rolled an interview of Tim Howard with, with Ole Gunner, and he had an interesting point, which was. Also getting lost in confusion is this idea of like, we just want the old days, right? Which is there's a difference between the Super League and progress and evolution and growth and constantly pushing forward for your fan base, right? Which means you want to create the best opportunities for fans. Fans don't, we all love to say, oh, I want to go to the seventh division game and, and watch it and grab a beer with my friends and hang out and whatever. But for a Manchester United fan, that's not the standard. And sometimes it's easy to, to grab history and then manipulate it for the current. And he, and he just had some really good points about like, yeah, the Super League's not the thing, but, you know, progress and evolution is a really important part of, of what we have to do. And, and getting that right can be, can be really challenging. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy, let's uh, end it with your thoughts because uh, we have other news as well that happened this Sunday, but let's, let's end it with you and w- what you thought overall. Wow, that's a lot of pressure now. I wasn't ready for that. I was just well, you ready. came in late, so the pressure is on you. That's true. That's true. I do want to say that Manchester United were the least surprising team to join the Super League because of all the things that we mentioned, because they are so corporate, because they're so business-minded. It's always the, the dollar and not necessarily the culture that they've created, which feels soulless at this point, at least at the highest levels. Maybe not. Obviously, Ole Gunnar, you know, club legend, he's trying to reinstill some of that old flavor that uh, I think all the fans know and love and has done pretty well, I think. I think we yeah. can say he's done well, all things considered. When you brought up the other owners and the other American owners, knowing that, I was actually the most disappointed in Liverpool mm. because, because they seemed like they were doing those things, but yet they're making these decisions that feel more corporate. And, and so that's all I wanted to throw in there. And, and uh, also with Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid, they just didn't seem like clubs that wanted exclusivity. They wanted inclusivity. I know we got covered some of this ground before, but, but I just wanted to kind of highlight that Manchester United were the least surprising to join the Super League. And I'm not surprised that Ole Gunnar is still trying to create some kind of narrative. And I'm sure he's being told in maybe some capacity to like, hey, just soften this a little bit because we, we still might be making moves in the future. No, no, it's a really good point. It's a really good point because, and at the end of the day, guys, money talks, right? And and, and that's really the essence of, of everything. All right. Hey, everybody, we have plenty more, by the way. When we come back, we can recap. Hey, there's some championships that have been won. Inter Milan finally takes care of business. We'll be right back to discuss. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. 
from LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kego Lasso Weekend Recap. He's Peter's Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, it's been 11 years coming. Juventus, no more, but Inter Milan clinch. Their first Serie A title in over a decade after Atalanta failed to beat Sassuolo. It was pretty dramatic because Luis Muriel could have done it with a penalty at the end, both playing with 10 men at the end, but Luis Muriel misses the penalty. That means that Inter Milan secure the Scudetto. Absolutely incredible for Inter fans. Jimmy, tell me, what do you think? Well, I'm thrilled for them and Antonio Conte. I really feel like their season turned when they got knocked out of the Champions League. And not just knocked out of the Champions League, they didn't even get third in their group to qualify for the Europa League. They just got knocked out completely. And then they took that step further when they lost to Juventus in the semifinals of the Coppa Italia. They had no more midweek games. And if you give a coach like Antonio Conte, who loves the details, that could loves to set up uh, against certain teams, especially Serie A teams that, are, that aren't as strong as his team, there was only one way this was going. And that's where I thought they started to separate that gap and started to create this bigger, we're going to do it, and there's nobody going to stop us. And they went on a tremendous winning streak. Romelu Lukaku was fantastic, and uh, amongst many, many others. But what I think that Antonio Conte did really well was that he found a nice mix of guys. So you have these older guys, and looking at you, Kolarov and Alexis Sanchez and Ashley Young. And he had these, these younger guys that they developed themselves, and Bastoni, the center back, and Barella, who's one of the best young midfielders in the world. And then got some other guys that had something to prove. Romelu Lukaku, Latara Martinez to a certain extent, Brosevich, uh, DeVry in the back. And it's just the perfect mix of guys. And I can't say enough about what they've done together this season. And even though they failed in those cup competitions and in Europe, they did the business when it mattered in the league. And, and it's thrilling. It's, it's exciting to see not only them win, but also not to see Juve win again, which would have been the 10th straight title. Yeah, that to me is a huge point because this was Juventus's reign for so long. Heath, what, what do you make of this win, uh, Antonio Conte and Inter Milan? I think it's amazing. I think uh, it's just good to obviously between Inter, I think AC Milan's the only other team to win since, I, I don't know, 20 years or something like that to have won a, another team to win a title in this, in this race. So I, I think it's important. I think for... Again, when we uh, going back to our sub, uh, subject around Man United, I think for progress of a league, for progress of a team, for progress of a game, I think it's amazing that Juventus did nine years. It's also boring, uh, <laughs> and 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 I think having Inter Milan, who have been as good as they have, having AC Milan, who now might 
finish fourth uh, in a Europa League spot if they're not careful? Um, or could even fifth if they had a, a couple hiccups for the rest of the well, year? Well, as we tape, Heath Pierce, Juventus is losing one nothing to Udinese with 15 minutes left. And I'm wondering, by the time this podcast comes out, or maybe Monday morning, if Andrea Pirlo is done. It's going to be very interesting to see. But go ahead, Heath. And this is, again, uh, like you go into this post-era, right, of like who wants the Juventus job? Do they have a war chest to spend? Do they have the right players, you know? And this could lead, in Juventus' standard in the current climate now, into multiple years of having to rebuild and figure it out because Inter Milan are very good. And they're not very good just today. Like Jimmy said, they have a nice mix of the present and what the future could look like. And and uh, AC Milan as well. They had a lot of young players and obviously they, they've fallen off and this could be defined as a great, the greatest collapse by AC Milan, even though they seem to collapse every year, but like they were on top of the table for, mm-hmm. I'd say over 50% of the year. And, and uh, now they're, you know, uh, I guess they're in third place and they're three points clear of, of, of a fifth of fourth place. And then like five points clear of sixth, depending yeah. on how this Juventus thing falls. And so it's it's uh it's just uh yeah I, I guess what I'm getting at is just it's an exciting time that could see AC Milan who we, we all talked about past December as saying they were still the favorites uh, now falling off uh, Inter Milan running away with it uh, and and now Juventus and AC Milan trying to figure out where they fall in with an Atalanta team that again like you said Luis Morel could have buried the game with a penalty uh, and they would have been sitting comfortable in second so yeah it's it's still so much to play for in that regard but 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 fantastic news i think for the game and and obviously for inter milan fans and next season is going to be so exciting in seria what network is holding uh, uh seria next year jimmy i keep forgetting cbs Who- sports baby let's go i think inter are the heavy favorites to win back-to-back scudettos but antonio conte during kind of the turmoil of getting knocked out of the champions league hinted at potentially leaving that he was going to bounce I think he's just pissed. He would time, do right? that though. He would. He is. He seems like a stubborn, stubborn guy. But uh, I think at this point, you know, obviously winning a Scudetto does solve a lot of problems and very, very cool for him in particular. Obviously, he was a Juve coach for many years. And so I'm sure there's a lot of emotions running through him at the moment. I suspect he's going to stay. I also want to add, they they made some good signings. They got Perisic back from Bayern Munich. Ashraf Hakimi was a, was a great signing from Real Madrid. Obviously, he was at Borussia Dortmund on loan before that. Christian Eriksen, they they got more out of him. What a turnaround on him, huh? Turnaround. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a nice example of, of in some ways, Antonio Conte being somewhat of a player whisperer, right. And getting the most out of his guys. And if Lukaku and, and Lataro play the way that they are, I mean, they're just, they're so good. And even though I think AC Milan has a chance, they might be another season away from really competing to maybe like the last weekend for the Scudetto. And I do think it's going to take Juve some time. And I never want to sleep on Atalanta you know, Lazio, Napoli, they're always kind of hanging around, but I think Inter Milan are going to uh, be back-to-back Scudetto winners. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, well, we're getting that 90s feel with Serie A right now. Absolutely. And I to- I'm totally with you, Jimmy. Conte is definitely a player whisperer, but I just don't picture him whispering anything to anybody. <laughs> He's totally... But the Champions League for Italian sides looks amazing right now. Inter Milan, of course, Atalanta, AC Milan, Napoli, as we're talking. It's going to be super intriguing and something we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, all right, well, let me ask you. It's still one nothing to Udinese. Is Juventus getting this Champions League spot, Heath Pierce? 
I don't think so. But also, while you're on that, not to hijack the conversation. They got AC Milan next as well. Roma also had a great uh, decline. And it sounds like you're suggesting that they don't have a chance uh, to come back in their uh, second leg here and maybe keep a European spot alive. Uh, That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Jimmy, would you see Juventus make it? I mean, they got AC Milan, then they got Sassuolo, Inter Milan. It's not happening. I don't. I don't think they got out. Yeah, they got the, I mean, if they win, if they win the Copa Italia against Atalanta, then maybe oh. because they won this Italian Super Cup and that, that could be enough to, to keep Pirlo around. But I heard that uh, Maxi Allegri is going to come back and, and take over. I think the Pirlo thing is over. And I heard that uh, Nedved might be going with Pirlo, which would be pretty significant because Nedved's been there for a while. It has been for a while, but you know what? I, you know, you got to own your mistakes. This man had, hadn't even coached his son's know, uh, team know, like he's coaching Juventus. It's absolute, I don't care how much of a legendary player you are. It's absolutely ridiculous. All right, we're going to move on here because Ajax also won uh, the Eredivisie as well. Uh, that's a good win over there for Ajax as well. And obviously the Women's Champions League, by the way, Chelsea will be facing Barcelona. Barcelona beating PSG. Barcelona doing the business against PSG and Chelsea with a great comeback against Bayern Munich as well. Sam Kerr uh, and Chelsea, um, not just, I mean, Frank Kirby, Pernod Harder. This is a really good team. And neither has won the Champions League. So you're going to have a brand new winner in that one. Jimmy Conrad, thoughts on that? I'm excited. What I'm not excited about is the fact that they still haven't determined if the final is going to be shown on TV. And I think that is an absolute travesty. This is the same song and dance that happens with the women almost all the time outside of the World Cup. And that needs to change because we have some fantastic stories. The second legs were incredibly exciting for a lot of different reasons. You can they see were. They were great. Yeah, the, the Chelsea manager, she, she was in tears. You know, it's just... We need to see that stuff and they need to get the visibility that they deserve. They've earned it. They've got some fantastic talent on display and this champions league final, this women's champions league final needs to be seen by a wider audience than some random stream that only, you know, a handful of people can get. It needs to be on, on a big, big, big spot. And I, and I hope it gets that, that recognition and so we can see a great final. Yeah, absolutely. Emma Hayes, by the way, Chelsea's manager, the first female coach to reach the women's champions league final in 12 years. Uh, and it's also Chelsea's obviously first women's champions league final appearance. It's pretty amazing. He thoughts on this uh, as we look ahead to this final. Yeah, I think this one's uh, great because you don't have Lyon in it, who have been yep. <laughs> the killers of this competition for a long time, actually getting knocked out in the quarters by by uh, PSG, their their rival, who have done quite well in the league, um, but always sort of trailed them in, in the European competition. So, uh, yeah, and obviously we talked in, in previous episodes about how stacked Chelsea are and, and Barcelona have Jennifer Hermoso, who's just fantastic as well. So, I'm yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a very good final. Well, Chelsea, right now you're in good hands. Thomas Tuchel, Emma Hayes, looking good for Chelsea. Uh, all right, well, listen, uh, I want to just give some final thoughts here to the guys because surely there's some other things to discuss. We haven't even discussed, obviously, German Cup or La Liga. Uh, Heath, let's go with you. Your final thoughts, uh, as we, as we close this weekend recap, this very weird weekend recap, thanks to uh, Man United, of course. Well, <laughs> actually, thanks to the Glazers. <laughs> yeah, my final thoughts are, are one, um, 
Portland uh, Thorns will play in the Challenge Cup final against uh, New York, New, the, the Gotham FC, uh, if they if they are to get this result uh, that they're currently playing in. I believe that's that's the case. So that's one that you should definitely pay attention to. Thorns have been undefeated. They play against Houston as well, but like just something to to to, to keep in mind uh, for the, for the Challenge Cup as well. It goes straight. The, the the way the format is, you go have the two top teams go straight to a final, uh, which will be, uh, an exciting thing, but yeah, overall we're, 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 we're nearing in on, on, on title races, Turkey's, uh, at the end of a title race as well. Um, and we're starting to see things shape up, uh, uh, Mark McKenzie's team beat Royal Antwerp in, in Belgium. And now they're closing in a little bit on, on Bruges at the top of that table. They have the playoff system there where, you know, you take the points from the regular season that gets put into a mini group and you play each other. Uh, so yeah, it just, it, it's, it's, it, that you, it's kind of can't miss time of year as you start to see everything shape up with European implications on the line. Um, and that's pretty much my, my only final thought. And the championship playoffs as well. Always so fun. Jimmy Conrad, final thoughts from you. Oh man, there is a lot to talk about. I'll just uh, shout out to Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig for getting into the DFB Pokal final. Uh, the, the team I coach here in the U S fourth division, San Francisco Glens, our sister club in Germany is the Holstein Kiel. Are they really? They, yeah. They gave I up. Was five- I was always wondering why you were giving them love. I, I played against them in the cup once as well. And now my old teammate Finn Bartles is there. And I saw him just in pure defeat, by the way, in that game, just disappointed when you, you know, give up that many goals. Sorry. It was five a good goal, one. It was a good five one. Five goals in the first half. They beat Bayern Munich along the way. And now they're fighting. They're fighting to get into the promotional playoff uh, in, in the Bundesliga. So they still got a chance. They got to overtake Hamburg. They got a couple games in hand. So it's more than possible. So pulling for them. Uh, RB Leipzig, obviously trying to win their first major trophy and, and to go out with a bang with Julian Nagelsmann as their manager before Jesse Marsh comes in. So excited to see that final, that RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund final should be ridiculous. I do want to give a shout out, a couple MLS shout outs. One is Josh Wolf, my former teammate and roommate with the national team. He's the, now the coach of the Austin FC. He went into Minnesota and got another win. They've got two wins out of the They're last. killing it. It's so cool to see. And I'm so excited. His top assistant was the guy I sat next to Davey Arno. I'm like a proud dad over here. Even the Jesse Marsh news made me a proud dad. This makes me a proud dad. And speaking of proud dads, uh, one of my other teammates, Scott Seeley, his son, Dante Seeley came through the FC Dallas Academy, scored his first ever goal for FC Dallas last night against the Timbers. And if you guys can go see, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I've never seen, well, I have seen it, but it's been a long time since I've seen a team so happy for one particular player to score. And everybody is just, you can see how thrilled everybody is at FC. It's so cool. If you guys want to go see a highlight, go find that one. Dante Seeley. He was a baby when, when Scott Seeley was my teammate in Kansas City. So to see him as a grown-ass man scoring goals makes me feel really old. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, we're, we're really, really old. I know. So, really so that's all. Hey. I just wanted to give some love for some MLS love. Love Luis, it. Can I say one more thing? I, I'm not done with my closing thoughts now that we went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> of course you're uh, not. Hey, hey, listen, real quick. Barcelona had it all to play for and and blew it against Granada. And now the title uh, race is no longer in their hands, that's which right. I want. Every, you know, I know that happened before the weekend, but I, I think that's absolutely um uh, an absolute travesty with the form that they've had and the fact that 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 um, Atletico Madrid have given up as many points as, as they've had. They gave it up. They put it into somebody else's hands and now it's back in their hands, which is pretty bizarre and Did not you, something... Wait, 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 wait. I'm not finished with my thoughts either, Luis. Uh, so so <laughs> Atletico Madrid, they gave up a penalty late to Elche. They're up 1-0. Llorente oh, got a yeah. goal. He came and off his line. Jan Oblak came off of his line and the guy missed it wide and they didn't retake it. Yep, and absolutely I that, insane. That, I think that I think that's a little sketchy. Real Madrid also won two uh, zero against Osasuna, and so so everything's again way tight at the top. It's unbelievable. I Wait, Liga, me... as they say, I Liga. 
and then my fi- my final two thoughts are uh, Dor- <laughs> Dortmund Dortmund are actually probably going to make a Champions League spot if 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 uh, if Eintracht Frankfurt don't win out they'll probably fall out into into a Europa League spot. Um, but I think they're guaranteed at least Europe League spot. So good thing, good on uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. And then my final shout out for MLS is Cade Cowell, uh, seventeen years old. Oh, what a goal, huh? Grows up, grew up in my my hometown, which is like you know uh, I've been waiting for this. Like who's going? Not a lot of players are coming out of that area yet. Um, and that goal was great from Cade. And so seventeen years old, two goals, two assists to start the year was one of the guys when they when the rumor came out that three players were being watched by Barcelona. He was one of them. Fantastic goal. Beat a guy for pace around the corner. You're talking about Caden yeah, Clark yeah. Uh, potentially from from uh, New York Rebels that hit a banger. But um, Cade Cowell it rounded the corner on a defender, started behind him, and, and slotted it home. And it's just been really fantastic 17-year-old. Very Lukaku uh, of him. Oh, listen, listen, I'm not finished yet because Leo <laughs> and PSG both won, which means true. that puts the pressure on Monaco and Leon, who kick off a little bit after we're done finishing this podcast. So keep your eyes on that because... That, riot, that that title race in, in France is kicking off as well. That's true. My only shout out is to Anwar El Ghazi. Thank you, Anwar El Ghazi, for beating <laughs> He ruined our parlay, though. He ruined our 10 team parlay. I, I told you not to you. bet against Villa, Jimmy Conrad. <laughs> no Jack Grealish, Louis. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, as we speak, I believe you, Denise, is still beating Juventus. So keep on track of that. But, Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you, HP. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to watching Weston McKinney in the Europa League next year. (laughs) Too soon. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're also on CBSports.com. We're on YouTube. We have plenty more to come for this week as we conclude the Champions League semifinal second leg and much, much more. Have a great, great end to your weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.